A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, made straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground should become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. For the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Sorry you don't have the privilege of Will speaking this morning. Um, second letter of Peter. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord will not show, sorry, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought to be in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new, a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count your patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you in accordance, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist in their own destruction and as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. 
the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to Christ our Savior. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in, the, in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will, prepare, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to Christ our Lord. Okay, um, good morning, guys. Uh, so grateful to be here with you all. Before I begin, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, we've been praying about this space and this church for a long time. And so to see people here and encouraged by, um, by the gospel and by the Holy Spirit is just such a blessing. So thank you for coming. Um, let's just keep on praying for who else God has in mind to join us here in this place. So today is what we, um, is our second week, what we call Advent. Um, Advent is this time to prepare the way for the Lord, to make our hearts ready to receive Jesus. We remember both his first coming as a baby and his second coming, which is uh, coming soon, like he says. Um, last week we talked about Jesus' warning to stay awake. Do I still sound okay? Anthony, are you okay? Okay. Jesus warned to stay awake. And his warning was, don't be lulled asleep by our culture or by sin. And so Advent is this time to remember this, and we, we just turn back to Jesus, just turn. So today we're looking at the story of Jesus again, but we're talking about Jesus' forerunner. Um, his name is John the Baptist. Some people call him John the Baptizer, which I also I kind of like, John the Baptizer. It's a little more like informal. So John the Baptizer is, is out and about, and he is... Um, he goes down to the River Jordan, which is significant, and he um, starts baptizing people, which means to dunk them in the water, um, and, they will conf and they'll confess their sins and be cleansed. It's this outward sign of their turning back toward their, their, their true king. So this is his message. He appears saying, a true king is coming, 
make your hearts ready to, to, to meet him and, uh, and turn back towards him. Um, turn back to the true king who can give you salvation from the grip of sin. So we're going to unpack that this morning. So John the Baptist quotes this passage in Isaiah saying he's preparing the way of the Lord. And it's a little bit like this. Um, I was driving in the city today and I saw they were preparing for some kind of parade. Um, and they have them all the time and I can't always follow <laughs> what it's for. But they're preparing for a parade and I noticed they had put up these, you know, you see the guys out there like putting up like big metal frames and lights and some kind of like thing over top. And they prepare for, they do all kinds of things. They might clear all the parked cars out of the way. Uh, they might even like make some kind of stands or some people to stand on. And the goal is whoever is coming in the parade, they want to make this person easily seen. The goal is that just uh, as, as easy as it is to see this person, the better. So that's the goal of the parade. And I think that was the goal of John the Baptist as well. Um, later on, he says um, that his goal is not for people to look at him, but he says, he must increase, I must decrease, which is what John the Baptist said. And so um, the, John the Baptist's goal here is to let other people see Jesus. And I think this word is for us today as well. So let's read it again because I was like doing that, and then we'll dive into what, what um, Mark has for us. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray as we look at God's word. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the beauty and the goodness of your word today. I pray, Lord, that you would um, uh, encourage us or warn us or challenge us, wherever the, the, the case might be. But ultimately, I pray that we would know you and your son better um, through your word today. Amen. So a little bit of context for Mark. You might know <clears throat> the, go the, the gospel of Mark. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Mark is the shortest, and it's characteristically pretty like short, like, like brief and pretty punchy. He uses the word immediately more than any other book of the Bible. He's always immediately this, the next thing this, next thing this. So it's no surprise that as he starts his gospel, he gives very little intro. He gives one sentence of introduction, but it's very, very dense. We'll see in a second. He, he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And this word gospel is really important, as you might know, but it's a little bit hard to wrap our minds around, I think. It's, we might think of like gospel music or like that's the gospel truth or something, but it's hard to, or we know it like has something to do with Jesus, but I'm not quite sure. It's just gospel. I don't know. And so it's a really important word. And, and here's all it means. All it means is in, in English and Greek, the original language is good news. Also, in the Kamai translation, it means good news as well. So it's just the good news. But good news about what, right? And so um, in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, and also the rest of the ancient world, 
this word gospel was, new, was used to announce the presence of a new king, the coming of a new king. That's the general context of this word gospel. Um, it's the, we see it in the Old Testament and Isaiah in particular. We also see it in the secular world. You know, um, the Greek emperor, I'm sorry, the Roman emperor Caesar, when he was born, they published a declaration that went around the, 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 the empire saying, this is the gospel of Caesar. And it actually started in a pretty similar way. So when Mark is writing this, it's kind of like a punch to Caesar to say, like, you're not the true king. Jesus is. This would have been, you know, f fighting words, as they say. So... Um, it's the, uh, the, the birth of a new king. And so Caesar had his own gospel, and we'll see if that's actually good news for people or not. And Jesus had his gospel. And I think Mark is setting us up to compare and contrast the two. Um, and so you can imagine <clears throat> people at that time may have heard about the gospel of a new king, and it would have been just old news for them. They would have said, is this going to be good or not? Or they may have even said, I don't think I want a new king. Um, I think a new king might be kind of scary for me or might, not, might change my life in some way. And we, we might be the same way. I might say, I don't think I need a new king in my life. You know, I think I'm doing okay. Um, and um, I was thinking about this this week, and I thought of my dad. When he was thinking about following Jesus, he was talking to a, an older friend. It was a, a Young Life leader, if you're familiar with the ministry Young Life. So he was talking to this leader, and he said, I don't think, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus or not, because there's so much fun stuff in the world I might miss out. I might miss out if I go follow Jesus. And the guy just um, simply said, according to my dad's story, he just said, well, you have to decide if you trust Jesus. When he says, I came that you might have life and life to the full. Do you trust that Jesus' word is good on this, or do you think that you know better than Jesus? And so, um, anyway, as the story goes, my dad ended up um, praying out at, of at faith right then to say, like, okay, this, it seems like I'm going to miss out, but also I, I trust Jesus' word is better than mine, and he followed Jesus on that day. And so you might wonder the same thing. You might, you might um, or you might have friends who wonder the same thing. Why do I need a new king? I think I can guide my own ship. I can be the master of my own domain. Um, however, we'll see that Jesus is a good king because other kings or authority figures in this world they all, they all let us down because they're, just, they're still just people. Um, and so Jesus knows what's best for us, and he's actually paid a great price to make us free. So Jesus is the, the true king, which means we'll have to turn away from um, the other things that we prioritize in our lives. Um, because other things, you might not think about kings usually, but we might think about other things that we serve, such as um, getting, getting more money, getting a better job, getting a better car, having the picture-perfect family. And all these things are good, but they, they can become like kings that we serve in our lives, right? And so Jesus is calling us to turn away from these false things and turn back towards him. That's why John, it said that John proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And repent is just a fancy word that means to turn, to turn around. It means to turn from sin and to turn back to God. The basic idea here is that people are like, we're like lost children. We lost our way, and, we're, and God's simply calling us, turn back around towards me. Come back towards your loving Heavenly Father. So in John's context, the people had been ignoring God for generations. They were supposed to be a light to the nations, and instead they ended up looking more like the nations and actually being worse than them and actually joining in their, their cultural and their unjust practices, um, enslaving their own people, and even offering their kids as sacrifices to their gods. 
They were supposed to be light to the nations, but they had actually turned from God and began following the other gods instead. And so John says, repent. Turn away from the things that are hurting you and others and turn back to the true king. And to show the, their decision to everyone else, they would get baptized, which means to be ceremonially washed in the water. So just like the Jewish people had to walk, when the, when the Jewish people back in Exodus, when they had to walk through the waters of the Red Sea that spit on both sides, they had to walk through that. Um, just like that, it's say, he's saying, walk through the waters of baptism on your way, leaving, leaving your slavery in the past and walking towards your true king. Be cleansed, come back towards the true king. So the wording here, though, is interesting. I had someone ask me about this recently. It says, um, baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And every week we say that this thing after the sermon called the Nicene Creed, which is this summary of the Christian, of the Christian faith. And it has the same phrase in there. It says, we believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And if you read it thoughtfully, it might sound like, oh, I guess baptism is what, is what, is what saves me or forgives me. But we know that's not true because the rest of the Bible says that, that forgiveness is a, is a free gift from the Lord. We're saved as a gift from God, not because of anything we do, including baptism. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so I think the simplest way to read this is just to say that ordinarily, when we recognize our need for forgiveness, we recognize our need for a Savior, the next logical step is to get baptized. So bapti baptism demonstrates to ourselves and to others our commitment to turn and live differently, only as a response to what God has already done. So neither John nor the Nicene Creed is, is, uh, is answering this question of, wait a minute, what happens if I believe in Jesus but never get baptized? That's not, he's not seeking to answer that question right here. But we know that from elsewhere in the Bible that we're, we're, we're saved, we're forgiven as a gift. And it's clear elsewhere that um, people that believe in, in Jesus but never get baptized, they'll still get the gift of eternal life as well. So um, the idea is that if you believe, the next step is go ahead and get baptized. Maybe that applies to some of you today here in this room. Maybe you believe in Jesus, but uh, you haven't gotten baptized yet for whatever reason. And I say, go do it. When I was, when I was young, um, for whatever reason, I missed the window and all my friends got baptized. All my friends got baptized and they were like eight or something. And for a couple of reasons, I, I, missed, I missed that like whatever, like time. And so as I got older, I was like a teenager. I'm like, oh, I should get baptized, but now it's awkward because everyone's like half my age. And then eventually I was, I was, I was uh, 19 years old and I was like, I, I don't care anymore. Like, I just want to follow Jesus. So it was like 19-year-old Will and a bunch of like eight-year-olds getting baptized, but it, it was fine. So anyway... I'm not sure who it's for this morning. So um, the, I love the Jesus Starbucks version of this story. And this is what it says. Um, these words like ring in my ears when I read this. Um, John is portrayed, John the baptizer is saying, stop running from God and run to him instead. You need to be rescued. Believe the good news. The rescuer is coming. Make your hearts ready for him. Yes, get ready because your king is coming for you. And this is still, this word is still true for us today. Stop running from God and run to him instead. Maybe for some of us, you need to turn around to Jesus for the first time. Maybe he's prompting you right now to turn back around to him. And that's amazing. We'd love to talk more about that. Or maybe some of you, you turned to him one time a long time ago. But maybe for a few seasons of your life for different reasons, you've kind of been wandering away from him. And it's not too late to turn around for you as well. Um, turn around and find that God is ready to forgive, 
like, like a loving father waiting for the, with open arms. Or maybe for some of you, you, you follow Jesus, but throughout the day you just get beat down with the same struggles, the same sins. And it kind of like piles up and um, kind of like the, the, the trash in your, in your computer, the, the, what's it called, the trash box, what's it called? The trash can in your computer just kind of piles up all this stuff. And the, the, the point isn't like, the point is that we need to return to the Lord often throughout the day. Make it a regular habit of <laughs> throughout the day sometimes return back to the Lord. Um, there's no point in the, to continue to struggle and, and just beat yourself up over the same sins. Turn back to the Lord. Exodus 34 says that he is slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love and mercy. This applies for all of us. So John's word to, get to, to repent applies to those people that time and applies to people who need to repent for the first time and applies to us throughout the day. Repent, turn back to the Lord. Um, at the same time, you might be thinking, okay, I want to turn from my sin, but that's easier said than done. I feel like it has this grip on me that I can't quite get loose of. I feel like I try to repent, but I, I just quickly turn back to sin every time. And I, I understand that. Um, that's why that in the Bible it talks about sin as this, um, like, slavery to sin. But um, even though sin might have a powerful hold on you, John's talking about someone who's mightier, mighty enough to break that powerful hold. Um, remember when he says, um, after me is coming someone who's mightier, who's mightier than me. Um, Jesus is, is mightier. He's mighty enough to break us away from sin, but in all the best ways because he's loving and gentle and not harsh and strict. He's mighty enough to actually obey God where we all fail. And he's also mighty enough to stand against evil. And he's, Jesus is mighty enough to love his enemy, those who are far off from him, even those who were killing him at the time. And he's mighty enough to offer himself on our behalf the sinless in replace of the sinners. That's the kind of strength Jesus has. How does, he, how does this free us from our sins? It frees us from our sin because when we realize we've been given a free, a free gift, we realize we don't have to keep on striving for those other fake things that we thought would make us happy. We can just rest and be loved by the Lord and realize that he's given us a free gift. Make it a habit to continually turn back to him and ask him for, for his help over sin. And you'll find that he is mighty to save, and he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit that helps us continually turn back from sin. So if Jesus is the king that changes everything, then we should be prepared to meet him, right? So John the Baptist, he called people to repent and prepare the way of the Lord. And I think that this is the beginning, this is the beginning for us as well. To prepare the way of the Lord means to, I think impartially, to repent, to turn back to him. So how can we make, how can we prepare the way of the Lord for ourselves and for others? I have, I have two thoughts for us. Um, one is we can prepare the way of the Lord in our own hearts because we can ask ourselves, have I listened, have I taken time to listen to the Lord lately? Do we need to like get away from some distractions? Maybe put our phone down for a whole day and listen to the Lord. I'm not saying don't do anything else. I'm saying just spend a day like a, with, with less distractions and trying to spend your, your free time listening to the Lord instead of just checking what's on your phone. Or maybe it's, um, maybe it's taking time um, throughout, throughout the day. Um, I was talking to someone recently who said, you really should take time to just rest and be quiet throughout the day. I said, I'm feeling anxious. And he said, maybe you should just take time to rest and listen throughout the day instead of just one time in the morning. 
Or maybe it is a consistent morning time to get up and listen to the Lord. Whatever it might be for you, I pray that during the season of Advent, that you'd make time to listen to Jesus. And again, his word is always encouraging, always drawing us back to himself. Um, another way that you might prepare the way of the Lord is preparing the way of the Lord for others. Um, so how can we make it, just like a parade, so other people can clearly see Jesus? And I think, um, for one, we, we model this with our lifestyle, right? But the problem with that is that none of us are perfect, right? So, sure, they'll know we're Christians by our love, but also, I also do lots of things that aren't loving all the time. And so, how are people going to know Jesus if I can't be perfect enough to represent him? And that's why he says to repent. We model a lifestyle of repentance. Because when we repent, we're showing people, you know what, I'm not perfect, but, I, but Jesus forgave me just because I turned around and asked him to. And so um, we, we model that repentance. The Bible says to confess our sins to God and to each other, to model this, continually turning back to the Lord. So if you're always going to try to look perfect to others, you'll have a couple problems. One is that you're not going to be perfect, so you'll fail. Two is that even if, even if you trick someone into feeling like you're perfect, then they might look at your lifestyle and say, well, I guess being a Christian means you're perfect, so I guess I'm out, right? But if we just model to them, no, I'm not perfect, but Jesus forgave me just because of what he's already done, and he can forgive you too. When you pr pretend to be perfect, for me, it's because I want to show everybody how great I am, right? But if I acknowledge my sin and just say that I'm forgiven, then that points, the, um, then it points back towards the Lord and away from me. So Jesus is our good king. John was preparing his way um, to come and offer his, his gift of life and, and forgiveness. Jesus is the, the good king. And at Christmas, remember that he came for us, and he came as our true king. And he came to save us. That's why we always sing at Christmas or at Advent time, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here. We know that we need a Savior. We pray that he comes soon. We also, we acknowledge that he already did come. He offered his salvation to us. And John's word here is also for us, that we would prepare the way in our hearts and also prepare the way for others to see Jesus by showing how great his love and his forgiveness are. So let's take a moment in prayer and just be asking the Lord how we can make this uh, real in our lives this week. Well, thank you for coming for us, and we're still far off from you. I pray that you would um, show us where we still need to turn around our hearts towards you. And I pray that as we do so, we would find you are quick to forgive and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and mercy. Thank you that the pressure isn't on us to be perfect, but the, um, the pressure is just to, there's no pressure at all that we're just to be forgiven and show your grace and your forgiveness to others. I pray that you give us boldness to, um, to confess to you and to others as the case may be. And I pray that as we do so that others would see how great you are and how full of love and mercy you are. We pray this all through your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen.